Hello, welcome to the uh, review for the midterm for the AP Euro test. Um, so you can find the actual review, the paper copy, or the I guess digital copy, uh, on the Ethos platform, um, and I'll put it um, into the, the midterm section. So it's there. You just click on here, and it should load up. If it doesn't, or if you can't find it, just let me know, and I can always email you a copy uh, if that's easier. Okay, uh, so I always struggle with tests that I don't make because um, it's just, I know what I've taught and I put that stuff on my test versus when someone else makes the test, you know, it's something that I don't, I don't always, I'm not always super familiar with what's on there. So I try to be pretty comprehensive in a review when it's not a test that I made. So, um, yeah, you've got some good details on this review, a uh, bunch of stimulus questions, uh, and then I tried to give the topic of what the stimulus was about uh, and things like that. So hopefully you find this helpful. Hopefully you find the podcast helpful um, as far as getting ready to take the test. Uh, and then after you have gone through your study guide, you know, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to shoot me an email <clears throat> and I'll try to answer any questions that you can't uh, figure out on your own. All right. Well, let's get rolling. So uh, I'm just going to run down the uh, the uh, midterm review, uh, the one that I told you about, um, and I'm going to try and go as quickly as possible. So this is as painless as possible. At least that's my goal. All right. So first up, there is a stimulus question on the Portuguese trade. Okay, and uh, you need to know a few things about uh, this. They're going to you know, be using the, the mercantilism um, theory, I guess would be the best way to say it. Um, that was uh, a theory that really kind of, well, um, it, it emerged back then. I mean, <laughs> I was struggling how to say it. Uh, it. Someone came up with it. It's a framework. You know, someone came up with it. Uh, 16th, 17th, 18th century back then. Um, and it was the idea that, hey, we need to, as a country, we need to to accumulate as much stuff, whether it be precious metals, whether it be other resources or whatever it might be, uh, we need to maintain as much as possible um, to, to, you know, keep up our balance of trade. So typically mercantilists, the idea would, would have colonies and, uh, you know, things like that that they could take advantage of by getting resources from them uh, at cheap, 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 uh, then having a trade partner as well of the colonies. And it was just, it was all about benefiting the home country, uh, the mother country, however you want to look at it. All right. Um, so it was um, a theory for the wealthy countries, uh, you know, smaller countries, countries that didn't have um, the ability to, to, to go and, and create a colony or take over a place wasn't going to be able to do this. Okay. Now, uh, this theory was started by the Portuguese and a few others. And as other countries see, hey, that's what they're doing. It works. Then other countries started to want to expand as well. And so uh, it led to this kind of race to colonize. Uh, might be a good way to say it. Uh, around the globe, uh, you know, America uh, and the colonies was, and the, the British, so let me take a step back, the British used the American colonies uh, and the theory of mercantilism. Uh, they got the resources uh, from America and they had a, a 
you know, a market to trade with. Uh, and they would not let them trade with other places. So it was a great benefit to the British. And it's just something that, that happened uh, around the globe, really. All right. The next stimulus question uh, is about the Protestant Reformation. And you need to know. Uh, so once again, the stimulus questions are tough for me. And they were tough to write the review questions for just because you get the stimulus. So this one's a quote, I believe. And uh, you, you have to pull some of the information from there. So uh, I think if you, you know, don't try and look up quotes from the Protestant Reformation, but if you have an idea, hey, this is the Protestant Reformation, this is what it was about, uh, then you should be able to, you know, based on the quote, answer the questions uh, from the quote, if that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, some of the key things there, uh, this is going to be the turn on Catholics or the Catholic religion uh, would be the better way to say it. And uh, really the, the questioning of the practices, because and, and mainly because of the, the selling of indulgences uh, was the big thing where, you know, uh, the Catholics uh, and individuals really would <clears throat> uh, go out selling indulgences. So you could sin, but hey, I can buy my way uh, to forgiveness. And uh, Martin Luther and, and others who are going to be a part of the the, uh, the Protestant Reformation just aren't going to believe that. And so they, they sit there and they see this happening and they start to think, well, that's a Catholic practice. What else are they doing that's wrong? And so they began to question just a lot more than just the indulgences. But that's the that's the big one and the one we concentrate on. All right, the table analysis for Antwerp. So I, I, there was nothing really to write, and I'm not going to talk about anything for this. You really just get a table. And you got to read the table and answer some questions about it. So uh, there's a few uh, that are like that. Okay. Uh, the next one is another stimulus. So the, the first maybe 20 questions are stimulus questions. So I'm going to say that a lot, and I apologize in advance. Uh, the next one is on the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, remember, this was a reaction to the Protestant Reformation, and uh, they're going to attempt to to thwart the the Protestant Reformation. They're going to you know, ban books and the reading of certain books and other materials. And uh, this is when uh, you got questioned, and it, you know, it wasn't just hey, let's ask a few questions. It was pretty horrible, um, you know, uh, to be caught up uh, in the Spanish Inquisition. Um, I would have probably been horrible because I would have just done whatever anybody wanted as soon as they started to, to hurt me just a little bit. So uh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna be that passionate about something if it means I'm being hurt. So, uh, but that's the kind of stuff that was happening. Um, for that uh, next one is a quotation, <clears throat> and it, it involves the roles of women. Uh, if I remember correctly, there's two quotes from two different women, and just about uh, their role uh, and how it's evolving. And and you, know, one of the big things is gonna. Uh, help that role is the, the literacy, okay, as people are able to read and, and recognize that, you know, um, it, it, now this wasn't like uh, the women's movement that we see in the U.S. in the, you know, uh, 18 and 1900s, uh, that, that that wasn't that, but just to see that, you know, uh, there's, uh, women are more than wives and house homemakers and things like that. Uh, let's see, quotation analysis. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so this is about the Jesuits and the pro, uh, Portuguese network. Uh, it kind of ties into the first one about the mercantilism and about getting into India. Uh, and the reason for going up there was the resources, the materials, the metals and things like that. Uh, and then a byproduct of that. So that's where they started off. And then they also sell the opportunity uh, to, to spread religion. You know, so you got the, the three R's, gold, glory and Gold, God, and glory. Um, and so that, you check two boxes uh, with the trade, was, uh, with the, uh, excuse me, with the exploration uh, and getting into India was the, the resources that you could get, the, the gold, the precious metals, 
and then you can also uh, spread your religion uh, as, a, as a byproduct. Okay, uh, the painting stimulus question. So it's about the Huguenots, and it's the, I give you the painting. So I, I, I really struggled with this one, and I, I'm, I'm still going back and forth about how much to say. I think I'm going to leave it as, since you have the, the name of the painting, you can take a look at it, and you can kind of draw your conclusions about it and then answer the question. I think you'll be able to answer the questions about it after that. Uh, I don't, uh, like I said, I'm really struggling on, on how much information to give uh, on this set of questions because the, it's about the painting uh, and I give you most of the stuff there uh, that you have to know about it. So I think I'm gonna leave it at that, okay? Um, so the painting stimulus questions, there's another one, uh, painting, Door, door. I'm probably saying that name wrong, uh, but just about the humanism. Um, who would commission this type of painting? Um, once again, you get the painting, and then I think if you uh, look into to door uh, and what humanism is, I think you'll you'll be okay. At, once again, I'm and I, I keep on saying this, and I and I'm sorry, but I, I'm struggling. I don't want to give away too much uh, in the review uh, for uh, the questions. So, um, and. Also know this, if it looks like I should have given more, I'm always gonna go back and look at the, the data. And if there's questions that you struggled on that I do not go over in enough detail, I'll always, we'll, we'll figure things out. You know, it's just one person and <clears throat> um, yeah, I want you to have as successful as summer as possible. So uh, my struggles shouldn't go to you struggling on the test. Uh, another quote passage about women. Um, this was uh, questions uh, from the, the time period of 1500s to the 1600s. Uh, really, I think with the quote, you'll be able to, to be okay there. Uh, painting stimulus. So this artist, I uh, give you the painting, uh, Judith and Holfernus uh, by Artemisia Gentilisi. Uh, you can tell I can't say that word. Uh, big into the Baroque style of painting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, and if you hear, like, my dog's over here gnawing on a bone, so I apologize if you hear something. But, uh, Baroque is going to, to come around during this time, um, and it's the, the architecture, the painting. It, it's, just, it's not just painting. It's not just one thing. It's, it included all kinds of different uh, ornate, dramatic uh, details, uh, it really, really you know, focus in on the details of, of whatever it is they're working on, whether it's a painting, whether it's a building, whether it's a, a sculpture uh, or whatever it might be. So um, that is Baroque. He's, my dog is very needy and he's coming to me now. He wants to be petted. And so he's growling and barking at me because he wants to be petted. So if you hear that, I apologize. Uh, okay. Uh, next is a quote from uh, Herbibaly and it is about the Holy Roman Empire. And it gets into the fact that um, the Holy Roman Empire at this time was losing strength. Um, so uh, they had a couple of issues going on there. Uh, table analysis on literacy. Uh, it's just it's what it says it is, a table analysis. Uh, let's see, the politics. This was a group of individuals. Uh, they come around, uh, around the... 16th, 17th, late, late 16th, early 17th century um, in the, in Europe, France, Netherlands, places like that. And uh, they were, you know, politicians and they want 
stability. So they want political stability uh, over everything else, basically. So they want to have a, a nice, stable nation, even if it means sacrificing some religious things, even if it means sacrificing some ideological things. They, it's, it's just something they're willing to give up for uh, that political stability. Uh, Philip II and his goals, uh, the biggest thing was he, he, he wanted to maintain control of the empire. So he had expanded. He had these places that were producing for him. He had these places that were you know, doing things for him and being quite successful. And his, his goal eventually got to be where, hey, we just want to, or I just want to, to maintain these, these things and maintain the control here. Uh, the joint stock companies. So this is something uh, you've probably heard about uh, maybe in a, a U.S. history class, even you know, middle school, I think it's something they probably talk about, or uh, I don't think they probably get into it in elementary schools, but you'll definitely probably talk about it in U.S. history once you get there. Uh, anyways, they were uh, a way of <clears throat> exploring, and it was a, they were private companies. They were usually you know, given permission by the, the king or queen of a place, but they would basically, it's like a, almost like a, a corporation today where you would, you know, you, you collect money from investors, so people would invest uh, in this company, and then that would finance the the exploration would finance the trip, the boat, the men, the resources, and all that kind of stuff uh, to go explore and and go find uh, your riches, you know, whatever you're looking for, whether it was the gold, whether it was uh, other natural resources that might have been around at the time, uh, timber, you know, uh, other than gold, silver, all kinds of other metals and things like that. Uh, reasons for the emergence of a money-based economy in Europe in the late Middle Ages. Okay, so uh, the money economy is going to, to start, uh, and it's going to start going from that uh, barter and trade to uh, let's make it easier. And so um, they they start to do have some some cash. It's not as prevalent as we are today, but they start to use some of that stuff, and it's going to change. Uh, begin to change Europe. Uh, you all of a sudden have a need for things that weren't needed before. You are going to need banks uh, to put some of your cash in. You're going to uh, want more stuff. Like it's it's easier now to go and get stuff because I can just carry a couple of dollars. Yeah, and I know not everybody had the dollars and, and whatever they were using back then, but it, it was easier to, to, okay, instead of having to trade, well, I'll work. 50 days for you if you give me this or hey i have these chickens let's trade them for this uh, you could go buy stuff and so you wanted more goods more material goods and, and that that wasn't just people you know kings and queens and but church and other places wanted this stuff too um the serfs were affected you know instead of trading their their labor for for room and board now they just had to pay rent um so a couple of different changes there okay uh, features of the Italian society in the 14th, 15th centuries. The biggest thing is that how how big their societies were. They're just they had these huge populations, uh, huge population bases uh, in some of their cities. So just a huge growing population. Uh, the Northern Renaissance versus the Italian Renaissance. Uh, the big difference here is going to be more more religious based. The Italian Renaissance it had religion and it had those those aspects, but uh, you also had the painting, the art, and things like that. Uh, the Northern Renaissance is really going to focus on uh, religion. Uh, features of Renaissance art, so uh, more patronage, more naturalism. Uh, patronage is where, you know, I would pay you to commission you to, to paint me a painting. Uh, so, you know, people that had money and had wealth wanted these famous uh, artists to paint them things. And so you saw that quite a bit where uh, they would pay the artist to, to make stuff. And then the, the, the naturalism theme where we want natural 
uh, images and things like that. Uh, reasons for the development of English Puritanism during the reign of Elizabeth I. So that, that's the, the Puritanism is going to be a movement. Uh, and you know, maybe you've heard of the Puritans and their effect on America because they came over here to get away from religious persecution. Uh, they were really just upset with the way uh, Elizabeth was handed, handling some of the religious resettlements uh, and things like that. And so that's going to kind of start and then they're not able to do what they want to. And so that's going to eventually push them out. All right. Uh, 16th century drains on Spain. I didn't mean to rhyme that, but it kind of does. Uh, anyways, uh, Spain at the time was just fighting all over the place. They had uh, way too many uh, pans in the oven or I, I, I was going to say something. There's something in the fire that I can't I can't remember it right now. And so uh, I'll have to look it up when I get done with this. But anyways, they just had too much going on. And it's it's costly to fight a war. And even though Spain had had success with the mercantilism, with exploration, all that kind of stuff happening, uh, they were still just bleeding money, basically. Uh, secular leaders' attraction to Protestantism, the Protestant religion, uh, they were able to break away from the Catholic and the Catholic Church. Um, and so uh, they'd had some traits that they enjoyed. Uh, Henry VIII is famous for, for leaving because he could get a divorce and, and whatnot. And, and, but the big thing was they could get out from underneath the, the footprint of the Pope and the Catholic Church and get away from, you know, uh, some of that. Um, just people look to the Pope more than they look to the king a lot of times because of the way uh, things were set up. So now here's an opportunity. Let's get away. And they were able to start making some moves against the Catholic Church. Not only from a leadership standpoint, but also being able, being able to start reclaiming some of the, the church lands and church materials and, and things like that. Uh, criticisms in the 95 Thesis. So we already talked about this, but there's a second question on there. And the, and the big thing is the indulgences. Just uh, That's the big thing to remember. Uh, the Peace of Ansberg. This settled a conflict between the Catholics and Protestants uh, in the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, it's going to allow them... Each one, so every every the, the separate princes are going to be able to decide what the religion is. They're not going to have just one set religion for the entire area. Just you rule this area, you decide what the religion is going to be. Uh, Catholic Counter Reformation traits. So we've already gone over a few of these things, but the banning of books, uh, putting people to the question, uh, and things like that. Uh, Calvinism. So John Calvin, uh, one of his big ideas is the predestination and the quote, I believe. It's a quote that you have to look at, his own predestination. And the fact that some people uh, were, you know, uh, just, it was already known where you're going to end up. Uh, Protestant Reformation changed the role of women house. So reading is going to be a big thing. Uh, and that's going to play in a little bit later as well. Um, but also the, the Protestants were not as <sighs> overbearing, maybe, might be the way to say it. Uh, as the, the, the Catholics attended to be during this time. Uh, and so there was less orders, less structure, maybe, might be a way to say it. And so it allowed women to, to play a different role uh, in the, the religions. Uh, artists and their work. So you'll have to, basically, this question is going to ask you uh, to figure out who is not matched with their correct um, artwork. All right. So I've, I've given you uh, the artist's, Gioberti, Bonicelli, Raphael, and Michelangelo. I've also given you some of their, I don't think I gave you the, the artwork, but you'll see one answer choice is Gioberti. 
and the bronze doors of the Florence Baptistry. Okay, um, so you'll see these individuals with their their artwork. So Giovanni is the bronze doors. Uh, Botticelli, uh, he did the Birth of Venus. Raphael was the School of Athens. Michelangelo was the Sistine Chapel. Among and don't don't get me wrong, they they painted all kinds of stuff. These these people they were they were amazing, and they did all sorts of stuff throughout their lives. Uh, but just some of the big ones to focus on. Uh, what occurred as a result of the Atlantic becoming a bridge rather than a barrier to Europeans? So uh, this is going to, to lead to a huge exchange of goods. Uh, we, we talked about the Colombian exchange uh, in class, not necessarily in this review, but um, just the trade network obviously expanding. Okay, now not only are you trading with Europe and, and places in the Middle East and the Far East and whatnot, now you're trading with the Americas uh, because of this. So you're going to have all kinds of goods exchanging hands. Uh, you're going to be introduced to new goods. Uh, you're going to introduce new goods and new markets to you. And, you know, there's also negatives. You know, there's sicknesses that happen. And, you know, some of the, 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 the transfer of those illnesses and sicknesses are going to have a huge effect on the indigenous population. All right. Uh, Renaissance humanism. Uh, this is one of the first things in the class. It was based on the study of the classics, you know, going back to the Greeks, those people, uh, and, and the stuff they did. Uh, let's see, quote about religion and gold jumpstarted exploration. So yeah, explorers, especially from Spain and Portugal, that was their main goal. Uh, when we started, when they started. And this is something we've already talked about, so I'm not going to spend much time here. Uh, but going out looking for the gold, having the religious aspect as a byproduct of that exploration, is that, that's what jump-started it, okay? Was, was the desire to find as much stuff as possible, as much resources as possible. And then on the flip side, you also get to go out and expand your religion. So that was just a win-win. A uh, all right. Uh, da -da -da. So I, I typed great. And uh, in looking at it, I think I was just thinking great, but it's the German Peasant Revolt of 1524 to 25. So if you were looking for this, I do apologize immensely uh, that I mistyped that. But uh, it was in Germany, okay? Uh, and one of the key things about it is the, the first uh, to focus on economic uh, egalitarianism. And I'm probably saying that wrong as well. Uh, Protestant Reformation effects on literacy in the 17th century Germany. So we, we talked about this, I think, for a minute with the, the role of the women. But we need to remember the Catholic religion was really focused on the uh, priest and other religious leaders reading the text, telling the, the people, this is what the Bible says. This is what it means. It wasn't open to interpretation for the, the people. They, they couldn't read. Okay. Um, and part of the reason was they didn't practice that. You, know, the re religion was the big thing. There, there wasn't like a lot of books for uh, pleasure to read around. You know, like like we have, we can jump on our phone and read stuff, or we can uh, grab a book from uh, the library, or go out and buy a book, or get it on your your phone. You can whatever. You know, we have books. Uh, they weren't there for these these individuals, and so they relied heavily on the church to tell them and explain to them. Well, as we go. Uh, and through the Protestant Reformation, uh, they focus on, you need to read. You need to read the, the, the Bible yourself. And so it's going to increase literacy. Um, and uh, that's, I guess, probably a, a long explanation to say, hey, the Protestant Reformation uh, increased literacy because of the, the, the move to, to read for yourself. Uh, 
English political conflict. So uh, this is going to be the king in parliament, the king in whatever their Congress was called. Uh, they did not get along. Uh, parliament was wanting to reduce the power of the king. The king was wanting to continue to, to keep doing what he was doing uh, and even expand his power. And so that's going to be the conflict. In fact, that's going to be the trigger for the, the civil war is when the king tries to, he doesn't get his way, so he tries to have people from the parliament arrested. Uh, they found out. They are given wind of it and that's going to trigger that revolution or the, not the revolution the civil war uh the last couple of things are about richelieu and the huguenots so it's uh, a couple questions about um how he defeated them and then how he suppressed the french nobles so uh to defeat the huguenots richelieu uh is going to do a few things um first off defeat them militarily obviously uh, it's in the question there. Hey, how did he defeat them? Well, using the military. Uh, once he had defeated them, then he also uh, kind of really put his foot down on them, uh, reduced a lot of their rights um, to govern themselves. You're not going to do what I, unless I say it. Um, they couldn't defend themselves. He reduced the military, reduced their ability to fortify themselves and things like that. Then the, the suppress and the, the noble, some of the same thing. He's going to spy on them. Uh, take away their rights like he did with the Huguenots. Uh, he's going to remove transfer power so from the nobles, so from these families that have been around for generations, we're going to start moving away from them. He's going to install new people uh, in those places. All right, so that's that part of the review. Then you got two questions. You got a short answer question and a long answer question. Uh, the short answer question is about the objectives of the Catholic Reformation, Counter-Reformation. Uh, I think if you uh, will read up on that a little bit, uh, you should be in good shape there. Uh, and then the long answer question, uh, it is, this is specific, what it's talking about, the technological advancements and their contribution to the state's power, 1450 to 1600. So I think um, without telling you exactly what to write, you know, I think if you look those things, look into those things, I think you should be good to go uh, to write. I, your writing has been pretty good so far. Uh, so I, I'm not too worried about that. So don't stress about that part either. Okay, there is the review. Like I said, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you want me to go into more detail about something, if you're like, hey, he didn't talk about that, I really would like for him to, then just shoot me an email with what uh, what it was, and I will be happy to, to email you back with a, a more detailed response about something. So try and take this thing uh, sometime between this week and next week. You have one discussion uh, to get done this week, uh, but there's nothing else. So uh, you can start concentrating on the, the midterm after this. Uh, and then we got the month of July, and we'll get to the final exam. So I'll start opening up some Unit 2 stuff as well, probably for Monday. Uh, not telling you to, to start looking at it, but just uh, so you can have in the back of your head, hey, there's one more unit to do. And then we'll get to our final exam the week of the 24th to 28th, 24th to 28th, I believe it is. All right. Well, let me know if I can help you and best of luck. And I hope your summer's going well and the class isn't uh, stressing you out too much. And uh, okay, take care and bye-bye.